Welcome to The Sim Cafe, a podcast produced by the team at Innovative Sim Solutions, edited by Shelley Hauser. Join our host, Deb Tauber, as she sits down with subject matter experts from across the globe to reimagine clinical education and the use of simulation. So pour yourself a cup of relaxation, sit back, tune in, and learn something new from The Sim Cafe. Welcome to another episode of The Sim Cafe. Today, we are truly blessed to have Dr. Nicole Cezala. She's a Pittsburgh native and United States Navy veteran. She began her nursing career in 2006 after completing her enlistment obligations where she served as an undesignated seaman and dental assistant within the United States and abroad between 1997 and 2003. She then received her nursing degree and rejoined the U.S. Navy in 2010 as a Naval officer in the Nurse Corps. Thank you for serving our country. And Dr. Cezala, would you like me to call you Dr. Cezala or Nicole? Nicole's fine. Okay, thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you went from the Navy into civilian simulation? And I'd also like to know what you guys did with simulation in the Navy. Sure. So in the Navy, you know, I sing the song. So in the Navy, you know, I can remember vaguely, almost traumatizingly, we did some simulation in boot camp. We did have a simulated ship environment. And it was, you know, the ship was sinking and we had to respond with the training that we had received in boot camp to that unfortunate situation. So it's real water. It's, it looks like a real ship, like um, aircraft carrier. And you're in there and you have to like dog zebra the doors and, you know, and you have to go through that piece. We also do the overboard training when you're jumping off the ship and going to the life raft. And, and so, you know, that is, that's simulation. Definitely leaves an imprint for you. And, you know, when you're dealing with something like life-saving, like jumping off of a ship. And they even teach you that your uniform in the Navy is a life-saving device. So you take off your dungarees at the time, you know, this is going way back because I don't wear dungarees anymore, but all of the uniforms in the Navy are specifically designed to become life-saving devices. So like you take off your pants and you have to pump them up with air and tie them. And so you can wrap it around yourself. So Definitely something to reflect on about simulation that I did way back when I knew nothing, didn't even know what the word meant or anything. But probably, this would be my guess, that probably because you had those natural experiences, when you got into simulation and learned about what it was, it was a (laughs) natural fit. You understood how it could have an impact in education. Absolutely. You know, you know, the time that I started working with simulation was just very serendipitous. Wasn't something, you know, I don't think a lot of us were seeking out, but we kind of stumbled upon it. You know, I've heard the stories and my story is similar. I started working with simulation in, in my graduate education and my master's in nursing education program. And I was introduced to it, was tasked with designing a simulation for an assignment And then was also working to do clinical makeups because I was teaching clinical 
And I didn't really know a lot about simulation, but I was using a mannequin and trying to give students a really good experience for a makeup clinical, even though I didn't know really what I was doing until I had the curriculum and started to learn more about it. So that was really like all of us, like the shock treatment introduction to simulation. It's like, you know that this is useful. You know that you want to give them a deliberately, specifically designed scenario that is going to uh, potentiate their thinking and and their, their clinical judgment and how they approach this scenario. So I learned that early on, was immediately drawn to it, loved that I could do that for a student because we know in clinical, we can't give them all the experiences that are really important. Right. And then you had worked for Susie. So you had, you know, one of the greatest teachers. I did. I I didn't know who Susie was. And so I'll tell that little story. I had that experience with undergraduate designing simulation, kind of implementing some simulation, not really knowing what I was doing. And then I was looking for more work as most graduate students do who don't work full-time. And I Googled simulation jobs in Pittsburgh, or I did something like that. And Robert Morris University popped up. And so I applied. And, you know, I was like, oh, I, I want to do this. This is wonderful. There's a job for this somewhere. And I didn't hear anything for a little while. So, and then I Googled again the phone number. <laughs> to the simulation center at Robert Morris. And I called and Susie answered the phone. And I don't remember exactly, but it was something, you know, I just said, you know, hey, I applied for the position and I was curious. There was any word on, has it been filled? I see it's still posted. And so we just kind of went from there and she just started interviewing me on the phone and I was not prepared (laughs) I remember her saying to me about, you know, like talking about methodologies and methodology do you use for debriefing? And I was, oh my goodness, you know, I was overwhelmed. And I remember her saying, you know, you can do simulation with a cantaloupe, but it's, it's really about your skill and your ability and the objectives, the learning objectives and to, to do a skilled debriefing that is methodical. Right. And so We must have had a decent enough conversation. She invited me in for an interview. So I came here and was interviewed and did something well, left an impression and was offered the job. So worked here part-time for about a year or so, and then finished my degrees, my doctoral work, and then was offered a full-time position in another university, worked there, and then... Lo and behold, this position became available as the director for the RISE Center, where I really was introduced to that quality of simulation, the theory, all of the standards, and the good stuff about how wonderful simulation can be. And more importantly, we're not doing it well, if we're not using the standards, you know, it could be detrimental to the learner, right? That psychological safety and maintaining that and cultivating that psychological safety in your environment when you're teaching simulation or designing simulation. So here I am. Here I am. I took the the position, was offered the position. And of course, you know, I think that's attributed to Susie, which she just 
inspired and cultivated in, in me and the others that, that are here who love simulation. Are you guys accredited? We are. We are accredited for the Society in Simulation Healthcare and Teaching and Education. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that's a feather in your cap for sure. I'm going to ask you my next question, which is, can you share with us your most impactful simulation story, please? Sure. The most impactful simulation for me is when we facilitate our first medical surgical simulation for our undergraduate nursing juniors. So they're starting their clinical rotations in the hospital. And for this simulation, we use a standardized patient. And I love how students really get a sense for what it's like to step into that student nurse role and have a patient encounter. It's so significant for me because it makes me remember what it was like during those first times. When I walked into the hospital with a patient in the bed and I was supposed to assess them, you know, and the the instructor's like, just go ahead, just do your thing. (laughs) We didn't have simulation when I was in nursing school. So we practiced assessment on one another, but not the part where you introduce yourself, where you have to ask for permission to auscultate the lungs. You know, I'm going to listen to your lungs now. So it is really about that part for me that is so important. We didn't practice assessing the data and interpreting it in the moment. So what action are you going to take now that you've auscultated these adventitious lung sounds? What pieces of your assessment concern you and how will you express your concerns to the patient, to the provider? How imminent is the situation? Did you feel a sense of urgency? You know, for me, it's most significant that I now get to be part of cultivating their professional identity and giving them a safe place to discover their style and explore how their actions or their inactions will make a difference for the patient. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Nicole, where do you see the future of simulation going? Where do you, where do you envision things to be? I see it expanding. Um, I feel confident in saying that simulation is the future of not just nursing education, but in any profession or area for leaders, leadership training, schools of psychology, non-nursing educators, people who work in primary education, who have to learn those soft skills, those non-technical skills to navigate like a parent-teacher conference or for a child that's being difficult or how do you conduct group therapy, right? Like how does that go, especially with SPs? And we do that here. So I see that expanding. Um, I'm really excited about the thought of that and the prospects for other professions. Um, We come from the airline industry with simulation into healthcare. And and it's also, in my opinion, the precursor to patient safety and quality, you know, stimulation. So let's do more of that. Yeah, I totally agree. And we talked before, I know that you're really interested in doing some incivility training using mm-hmm. simulation that you've done some of your your doctoral work has been around that mm-hmm. i was able to interview uh, renee thompson and she's got a lot of stuff on incivility <laughs> at her website the 
So why don't you tell me about what you're going to deliberately be putting into simulation, what your, what your dream is? Yes. So I am working on designing a course, you know, some simulation for undergraduate nursing students, because as we know, they are a vulnerable population, right? And we know the term, you know, we eat our young. I mean, the culture is shifting, so that's great. I can see a little shift and Renee Thompson's work is so important. So I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. So what I did in my doctoral work was I did hour-long training sessions for nurses. And, you know, you don't have a lot of time in the hospital environment to do training with nurses because you're taking them away from the floor. So I was able to get it down to an hour because that's what I was allowed to do. And we did some role-playing and and worked off of Martha Griffin's Sentinel work when she talked about teaching cognitive rehearsal as a shield for lateral violence. And so, for example, during that session, we talk about the history and then we would talk about how to respond, right? Because the literature talks about it really is a grassroots efforts. Like you cannot rely on policy. You cannot rely on a manager coming to save you when there's incivility or bullying going on in the moment. So it really is about training ourselves to respond. So let's respond. Let's practice. So one of the most common forms of incivility is rolling our eyes, right? We're rolling our eyes. And so Martha Griffin developed a phrase and she was like, in response to that, say something like, it's okay to speak to me directly. I can tell from your body language, there might be something you want to say. And so during that training session, I was teaching that and we practiced that, but I want to take that steps further, right? In simulation. So I see a lot of opportunity here to work with our standardized patients and really deliberately cultivate and design scenarios that give these students opportunities to work with peers, you know, who might be uncivil, rolling their eyes, um, providers. Can you repeat that, that, what you said? Because I'd never heard that one, and I I love it. I want to use it. The phrase? Yep. So, when yeah, it's okay to speak to me directly. So, I can sense or see from your facial expressions, there might be something you want to say. So, it's okay to speak to me directly. So, there's a short version and like a long version of this. And so sometimes it's, I would just tell them, you know, just say, it's okay to speak to me directly if you can't remember the whole phrase, but you have to practice. And that's why it's called cognitive rehearsal, right? So she, she had these students in her Sentinel work in 2004 practice. They weren't students, actually, they were new graduate nurses and she worked with them and she taught them these phrases and they practiced and rehearsed and rehearsed. And then they were able to actually use them in practice when they were experiencing that. And there's more out there about cognitive rehearsal in the clinical setting and how it's being used. And there are people designing programs to sustain this type of training for nurses, right? Because it impacts patient safety. So when when you are at work and you're not comfortable with your work environment or your colleagues or your peers, it causes a lot of problems. Yeah, when you're afraid to speak up. I, I totally agree when you're right. afraid to have your voice. Excellent, excellent. Now, if our learners, listeners, want to get a hold of you, where would they get a hold of you? Maybe they are interested in this work also. Right. So I, I'm on LinkedIn with Robert Morris University. 
you can go on their website and just search the rise center. Um, that's our simulation center, but LinkedIn, you know, my name is pretty unique, so I'm, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any, anything that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we, we conclude? Um, no, I just want to say thank you for having me and following your intuition to do something like this and offer another modality for sharing information and stories and talking. You know, we need to talk. Oh, my goodness. So I, I just love being able to listen to this in the car and just it grounds me and makes me feel connected to others. So thank oh, you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. With that... Happy simulating. Thanks for joining us here at the Sim Cafe. We hope you enjoyed. Connect with us at www.innovativesimsolutions.com. And be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so you never miss an episode of the Sim Cafe.